Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Bayou Chronicles. We're your hosts. I'm Crystal. And I'm Bethany. And we hope everyone had a great Christmas. Um, If you celebrate any other holidays, I hope you enjoyed those too. I know Hanukkah was about two weeks ago. I've been enjoying people's TikToks about it. And then today would be the first day of Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa. So I hope you enjoy every holiday that you celebrate or that your family celebrates. Um, I do think sometimes we forget that not every family celebrates Christmas. Um, But I do think that this whole time of year is a very special time of year. Mm -hmm. And it feels great. Um, It just feels very loving and seen. And we want everyone that listens to feel seen and acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Um, So no matter if you celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, the winter solstice, Yule. Whatever. I can't think. If there's anything else, I apologize. I wanted to include everything. I think that's it. I think that's, yeah. Um, We hope that the new year we can continue to be a safe place for everyone to kind of hang out with us um, and just kind of be part of our little family of weirdos that we've created. So today, yet again, we are going to Bethany's hometown. Um, I think it's funny. I'm just going to say this right now. Um, Anytime we do a Louisiana one, they're always like all spread out across Louisiana. Anytime we do a Florida one, it's my home. They're from Bethany's when hometown. We started, when we started the podcast, I literally told you, Crystal. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to find as many cases for my area. No, <laughs> I'm wrong. Look, I'm still, I'm still dying. I don't even know if I've even said it on the podcast. I feel like I did. I watched an episode of some TV show on Hulu, and it was just played in the background while I was working, and four episodes in a row were from her hometown and she texted me me, she was like i literally just have this show playing in the background and i heard your town over and over i was like yeah and i'm not even kidding i thought it was like a show about that area (laughs) and it wasn't until the fifth episode came on and it was like randomly in montana that i like exited out and i was like what is this no it's not about florida it's just randomly Full of crazy people, oh I guess. Um, but we're going to discuss an unsolved case today. Um, I do think it's crazy how many of these cases we discuss on the podcast that happen in our own towns. I mean, you always kind of read about it or see it on the news. Um, but we've actually lived through some of these, strangely enough. Walked down the same streets. You know, like our Martha Morgan case. I drive past that street almost every day. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> so, um, be, be safe. Be careful out there, yeah. guys. It might not just be on television. Yes. It might happen by you next. Oh, I'm going to stick this in there, too. If you haven't already, you need to download um crime junkies little document that they have it's like 30 something pages and it's basically like a if i go missing oh yeah 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 i've mentioned it before but i've never done it but i've heard them mention at the end of their episodes you've got to download it you've got to get that thing out get it notarized and it be your thing because you never know you always say it's never going to happen to you but you never know you never know anyway i'm going to pass it over to bethany let it take it away 
and yeah, there you go. All right, so before we get started um, with this episode, I want to give a shout out to Miss B. None of you guys are going to know who Miss B is. I don't. Except for my mom. Um, But, yeah, she actually messaged me about this one specifically. She just, um, I had posted something about the podcast, and she was like, oh, my goodness, I should have messaged you about this earlier. I totally, you know, knew somebody that um, was in the Air Force with my husband that killed his whole family. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Miss B, you can't hold up. You can't just be like so. Yeah, I had never heard of this case before. It did like literally happen the same year I was born, so it's not that shocking. So thank you, Miss B. She's a super sweet lady. She is the sweetest. Her whole family is so. Her nice. name is just sweet, and I love yes, it. Yes, they're B. just yeah. They're all sweet. Her daughter's the sweetest. Her husband's so nice. Um, she lives a few streets over from my mom, actually. Aww. So, yeah. And like I said, her husband is retired Air Force. He retired mm-hmm. from Eglin, which is where we're fixing to talk about. And she, like I said, knew, um, well, she didn't, like, you know, super know them, but acquaintances, we'll say. Um, and I know Crystal said in the beginning, because I forgot to change this part because i was actually writing up a different episode (laughs) laughing at myself at this um it's partially unsolved until we get to the very end so sorry if i gave that away side note i kind of like how your ipad always autocorrects my name oh it does And it's funny because sometimes it spells it right and sometimes it spells it like that. Yeah, because Crystal's like, did you misspell my name? And I'm like, no. (laughs) So sometimes it'll just be like... It's weird. Yeah, she does. And she told me about several different cases, so we'll probably more than likely be... Mm Miss B to be the nicest person. Like, she knows some scary stuff. Um, But we are going to be talking about... I listened to this name, I kid you not, like a hundred times. Zach Resky, Resky, you don't pronounce the second Z. Wait, you don't pronounce the second Z? The Zach Resky. Resky. Okay. Zareski. Edward J. Zach Resky. I'm not that upset if I mispronounce his name because he's not a good person, but he was born on January 31st, 1965. Also, quickly, I want to give a little shout out to another podcast, Military Murder. You oh. should definitely go check them out. Um, her name is Margaret. She runs it by herself. She's actually active duty. Um, oh, wow. I believe in the Air Force. And she just talks about... Uh, all military cases she only discusses Mm. stuff that's happened on bases you know people that got out and then happened to like murder or whatever so there wasn't a whole bunch on this case so when i googled it i saw this podcast pop up and i had actually already seen this podcast we mentioned back home um on the eglin page or whatever so shout out to margaret um, she did a really awesome episode for me to kind of listen and do research. And go check them out. And this is one of those cases where seeing someone's face on TV actually solved the crime. Oh, wow. Yes. That, okay? Okay. We'll get there. So, thanks to the show from the 90s, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, my jam. Yes. My I used jam. to watch that 
all the time with my grandparents. Like, that was yes. our show. Okay, so we have Edward. He came from a broken family. His parents got divorced, like, when he was really young. They weren't really the best of parents. Not an excuse. <laughs> but throw that in there. He really, I hate to say this, but he had no ambition in life. He didn't have a goal, I guess. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. He, never in his mind did he have, like, I want to be this when I grow up. Like, he never like had anything like that so he after he graduated high school he tried to give college a try but it didn't work out for him he actually flunked half of his classes oh okay so it was just really tough for him and that's just the hard truth for some people college is not going to work out for everybody and that shouldn't make anybody feel bad it's just you know luck of the draw um, but like many young kids lost in the world, he decided to enlist in the United States Air Force. There's your first mistake. <laughs> um, wah, wah, wah. Um, sadly, I feel like a lot of sad stories start out this way. Person joins the military, goes crazy. Um, but during his first duty station, Edward meets a woman named Sylvia. And this was in Idaho in 1982. That's a really sucky first assignment. That would be terrible. You go in the middle of nowhere in Idaho. Um, but, yeah. They instantly fell in love. Kind of that typical love at first sight cliche. You know, I walked into the diner and I saw her. You know, <laughs> whatever. But it wasn't long after they met that Sylvia would become pregnant with their first child. Like, literally, they met each other, and then she got pregnant. Oh, okay. Like, immediately. So, their son, Edward Jr., he was actually Edward III, um, because Edward was a junior. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. The third, yeah. But over the next couple of years, they would move around to different bases. They, like, went from Idaho, and then they went to uh, somewhere down south in Florida. All over, They just were, like, all over the place. Typical military family. But during that time of moving around, they would welcome a second chi a child. Um, and this time it would be a daughter named Anna. But... The family had kind of been struggling. I can imagine. I have been in their very own shoes. Service members don't make a ton of money when they first join. I know people have, like, this idea that instantly when you join the military, you're just going to be like Daddy Warbucks, you know, champagne popping, and that's not true at all. And they started having kids really early and, like, kind of back-to-back. I mean, it's just two, but you know what I mean. Um, but in 1989, um, that's, let's see, seven years later, Edward received news that he was going to be going to South Korea. So they're going to be moving all the way to South Korea. And actually, Sylvia was really happy because, a little backstory, that's where she's from. She's from South Korea. And if you are wondering how Sylvia ended up in random Idaho, got the answer for y'all. <laughs> she had actually already been married to another military man, and they, like, basically got an annulment. It did not work out, and they divorced fairly quickly. And that's when Edward found her waitressing at a diner because she was just trying to, like, make ends meet after her divorce. 
Um, and it was kind of heaven for, you know, the family. It was, like, perfect. Like, Sylvia's from South Korea, and then he gets these orders thrown in his lap from, you know, the place she's from. So, when they moved there, Sylvia's family actually fell in love with Edward. They loved him. They thought he was amazing in the military, serving his country, great father, great husband. And they had family around to kind of, you know, help with the kids because that's huge. You know, when you're young parents and you got two young kids and you're moving back to a place that you actually have family, that's huge. Um, it makes you wonder if they had just stayed in South Korea. Would all this happen? We'll get there, though. Um... Yes, losing and blinking here for a minute. Um, but in true military fashion, though, you never stay at an assignment that you like. They give you that assignment you like, and then they're like, ah, here's a new one. Let's send you somewhere you don't like. So, yeah. And they get orders to Eglin Air Force Base in 1992. So they were actually only in South Korea for three years. What an absolute bummer. I mean, you're living overseas, and then you get Florida. But whatever. I can, <laughs> I can say that. I'm from Fort Walton, and we talk about Fort Walton on the podcast a lot. So this is when the marital problems really started. They were rocky, but this, like, full-fledged started it. Um, and I think I'm probably really different from other military-wise um, because... Yeah, going away and being far away from family is sucky but at the end of the day you're with your husband and you're with your kids so it's still that but I didn't you know it was hard we went through a lot of stuff like when we did live overseas by ourselves but it is what it is and Sylvia just wasn't happy she did not want to leave South Korea she wanted to stay and here she is all the way across the country in little old Fort Walton Beach Florida so she was spending a lot of money, though. She was spending half of Edward's paycheck calling back home. Jeez. Um, yeah, long-distance calls back in the 90s. Oh, man. Uh, one time, the phone bill was $600. Jeez. That's a lot of money yes. for a family that's living on one income and has two small children. So, that's a lot for the early 90s. As she was homesick. I get it, I really do, but to just blow money like that on phone calls, write a letter or something, stamps are cheaper, <laughs> but, you know, I feel for Sylvia up until a certain point, she was, and I was telling Crystal about this episode, I was like, I'm trying to type up this episode, and I'm really not trying to victim blame, and I'm still to this day not trying to, but Sylvia... but she was very demanding wife she gave edward all these goals all these like really high unattainable goals but never gave any for herself she just wanted to stay home with the kids and be mom which is totally fine that is 100 percent fine but every goal she gave edward basically 
revolved around her wanting them to move back to South Korea. But it was stuff that was crazy. Stuff that Edward was never going to be able to achieve. You know, it was just, at this point, it was very much a one-sided relationship. I mean, one of the goals that she gave for him is she wanted him to get so high up that he became an American ambassador for South Korea. No. This is a college dropout. Like, I don't mean to make fun of him, how was he gonna make that goal and like anytime like time went on and he wasn't doing this stuff she would just yell and and not talk to him or not do certain stuff and you can't do that in a in a marriage and get mad at your husband because he's not ambassador like anyways i'm not trying to say that any of these future actions are justified but a lot of time we don't make people responsible for their own actions sometimes both sides aren't this picture perfect family the media like to portray normally it's like oh this person was a bad guy and this person was a saint and half the time those people aren't and i'm just being honest with y'all because both sides can be bad. Doesn't justify. Mm-mm. But I still think that, you know, some things need to be talked about. But Edward, was, like I said, was a college dropout. He had already tried that route before. It did not work out for him. That's why he enlisted in the military. He wanted something for him that he knew, all right, I'm just going to go in. This will at least be a little bit of sustainable income. I'll have somewhere to live, you know, stuff like that. Understandable. It would be pretty difficult for an American college dropout to magically become the South Korea ambassador. And that is literally the thing that she told Edward would make her stay with him. And I don't know. When like when I read this part of the research, my mom was like blown. I was like, just leave him, girl. Like you're just giving him this goal. She seems miserable. Yeah. I was like, come on. It's not that easy, though, folks. In April of 1994, um, so two years later, the family actually purchased a home in Maryester, um, which is just like a little area in between the two bases that we have, Eglin and Hurlbert. It's right over by my where my mom lives, actually. And you would think this was happy time, you know, bought a home. Like, that's such a huge goal in somebody's life. And it wasn't, though, because the family was already drowning in debt. Sylvia basically was drowning them financially. I mean, remember that $600 phone bill? And that's every month. Like, every pay- mm-hmm. every paycheck, she was blowing the phone up. She was shopping. She was wanting this and wanting that. And I'm honestly surprised they were even able to buy the home, but it was the 90s, and I don't know, but, like, now, that weird. nowadays, it's, like, hard to buy something if you don't have, like, pristine, perfect credit, so. Yeah. But maybe it was all those years of letting people, like, skis on by that they're like, no, we gotta put a stop yeah. to that, but, I mean, this was 94, so... 
It just fueled the couple's fighting. Anytime something rocky happened in the marriage, Sylvia would be like, I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to file for divorce. That was, Edward said that was her go-to line. She would scream, I'm, I'm filing for divorce. That's like marriage 101. You don't do that. That's narcissism. That's <laughs> totally manipulation. I, If you don't do what I say, I'm going to tell you that I'm going to divorce you. And that's basically what. Well, then do she, it. I, <laughs> I don't know. Some of this I just don't understand. This case was really interesting. <clears throat> but the fighting was almost nonstop. Literally, they just could not even be in the same room. In a very toxic environment for their small children. They were, at this time, now in 94, 5, and 7. Honestly, in some of the pictures, and you can look them up too. And uh, I know Crystal normally posts at least one picture um, for our episodes. Both sides were kind of faking smiles. They just didn't seem happy. And it just kind of like they were trying to just like portray the part of like mm-hmm. married couple, family. In some pictures, they weren't even smiling at all. They weren't even standing next to each other. They oh, were God. like this. And then like no smiles. So you That's could tell. That's horrible. And by June 1994, so two months later... Sylvia was done being the boy cried, who cried wolf, so to say. Um, you know, like, I'm going to file a divorce, but then she doesn't. She was actually ready to file for divorce and move back to South Korea. She, like, was like, all right, I'm done. I'm filing for divorce. I'm taking the kids. We're moving back. Like, good luck. And she just knew they didn't work out anymore. They just weren't happy. And, like Crystal said, they were just miserable. Yeah. They were just making each other miserable, which is okay. Normalizing not staying together in a relationship just because you have children normalize if you're not happy anymore just parting ways normalize not trying to fix your marriage with children oh yeah that as well normalize not killing your children oh yeah normalize that too um okay this part is a little disturbing sylvia had stopped talking to edward like she hadn't talked to him in weeks if she needed to say anything, like, to him or, like, relay anything to Edward, she would use her children. More specifically, her son, Edward Jr. I'm confused why yeah. she doesn't have the yeah. ovaries to speak to her husband. Yeah. And one afternoon, she actually had her seven-year-old son call edward at work to let him know that um this is what he said mommy is filing for divorce yeah that's okay why would you anyways that's so inappropriate i'd so much wrong with it child should not have that first off seven-year-old probably doesn't even know what divorce means so he probably had no idea what he was even telling his dad I don't know. And imagine your wife not being the one to tell you. She's having your seven-year-old son tell you. That's messed up. Anyways, this is the moment they say caused Edward to flip his switch inside. You know, that little switch in the back of our minds that we just never touch. Unfortunately, some people flip it. Um, He couldn't fathom the thought of his family leaving him. A neighbor... At the end of it, I'll spoil a little bit. At the end of this, a neighbor reported, she lived like a few houses down. He had mentioned to her that if if Sylvia ever divorces me, I'm going to kill her and the children. 
And I was like, man, why did you not? Why did you not say something? Immediately pick up 911 and be like, my neighbor just said that. But. Anyway. It's not like they would have done anything, even if he, she did call. She would have called the second that he said that, and nothing would have happened. I don't know. But that same day, a few hours later, during his lunch break, um, he started setting a plan into motion. He ran to the BX really quick to purchase a machete. Casual. Normal weekday shopping finds. And for those of you that aren't familiar with military lingo, it's basically like a little mini store that we have on all Air Force bases. Think Target, not as nice, not as big, where you can like basically buy anything. Went right into there real quick and just got a machete. Really weird. Anyways, he goes back to work and completes his day with no issues, you know? As he's plotting and planning. I wonder if the cashier that checked him out later felt bad. I don't know. I don't know what made me think of that. It's not his fault. But I couldn't help but ask myself that question. Because like you know he saw it on the news. Uh Later. And saw that dude's face. And he was like I sold him that machete. Kind of casually like the uh, one... Oh gosh, the other one where they tied the god of the tree and burned yeah, them. Yeah, they went to Target. And yes, it. that's exactly what I was thinking. And, and then he tried it. to return. Then tried to return it. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, around seven p.m. later that day, um, uh, Edward actually had to go to. He, he was back in college. Remember, because Sylvia said that he was useless and needed to do something with his life, so he went. Started going to night school afterwards. So he went to his class, and around 7 p.m., that's when he got home. And actually, nobody was home. Sylvia and the kids were still out. Um, they don't know why she was for sure. I think she was just trying to spend as little as time in the house around Edward, and she probably didn't know exactly what time he would be home. And she's like, well, we'll just stay out of the house until this set of time. And a little later, so, like, probably an hour later, the family came home, and they came in, probably said hi, Dad. Sylvia probably was still doing her not-talking thing. And she did. When she came in, she avoided him, didn't say a word, didn't even, like, acknowledge him, and went into the living room. I feel like that was actually the final straw, because, like, what if she, like, said, you know, well, hi, how was your day? I don't know, though. Maybe not. Maybe it still wouldn't. But he actually, the kids were, like, not in the living room. They were probably in their room. I just know they weren't in the living room. And he made a beeline for the living room where Sylvia was on the couch. And he walked up behind her, kind of blindsided her, and smacked her across the head with a crowbar. Oh, God. Instantly made her knockout unconscious, so... Kind of weird. I assumed the machete was going to be like, yeah. no, but we'll get there. It's scary to think maybe, he, I don't know, he had been thinking about this for a while and had stuff laying around the house that he could quickly grab and hit her. But I don't. maybe I'm just reading into that too much, but I was not expecting a crowbar. I don't, it is random. I don't know what I was, I don't know. This immediately knocked Sylvia out, like I said. Um... I'm honestly surprised that didn't kill her, but I don't know. I guess we can take 
pits. I don't know. But he drug her from the living room to the bedroom. So I'm assuming he did this so the kids couldn't see or didn't like run out the house screaming or I don't know. He probably was just like in a uh, rush or whatever. And when he got her into the bedroom, he closed the door and he knew she wasn't dead, but he like wasn't 100% sure. So he grabbed a rope. Like I said, he has all this like stuff just laying around their bedroom. He grabbed a rope wrapped it around Sylvia's neck and strangled her until he was pretty sure that she was dead. So. That's super scary. And what's really sad to think is Sylvia may have never even known that she was attacked because she was sitting on the couch with her eyes closed when she was knocked out with the crowbar and then dragged Mm -hmm. into the bedroom and then strangled to death. So she might not have even... It's kind of merciful, though. I guess. I don't know. Anyways, nobody really knows what possessed Edward to do this next part, and he really hasn't talked about it too much in his interviews afterwards. Like, he talked about how it happened, but he never really talked about why. I mean, we know about Sylvia. He was just kind of over her, which is still sad, but... I don't know. He could have stopped at Sylvia is basically what I'm saying. Unfortunately, she's already passed away. But at this point, he could have just stopped. And in a perfect world, none of this would have happened. But our world and our Fort Walton Beach is definitely not perfect. He first called his son into the bathroom, seven-year-old Edward. Um, He probably didn't even think anything of it. Edward said that he had called him in there to brush his teeth. Um, and I'm not going to get too graphic with it. I'm just kind of going to speed through it. Me and Crystal really do not like to discuss the death of children on the podcast. We have in the in the past, but I think we've both kind of gotten to an agreement that we will in the future, but at a minimum. And there's certain things we just 100% will, not will never talk about on the podcast. Um, but... Edward killed his son using the machete he had purchased earlier that day. Um, And then after he was certain that he was dead, he really wasn't sure. He said after this, he really wasn't even 100% sure if any of them were dead. He placed his lifeless body in the bathtub. Almost immediately, he then called his daughter into the bathroom to do the very same thing, come brush her teeth. And he did the very same thing to her. In the coroner, when they did their autopsies, he declared that both of the children had defensive wounds on their forearms, which meant they put them in a cross motion in front of their body to kind of fend off their father slashing at them with the machete. That's horrid. Oh, my gosh. It's a five and seven year old. And you've already killed your wife. You would think after all this, there would be signs of remorse, maybe a complete breakdown, you know, start crying. And No, not, not at all. And it didn't stop after that. He then went into their bedroom and grabbed uh, Sylvia's body. And she was dead, but he just, you know, decided that he wasn't done with her. And he hacked at her a few times with the machete. Jesus. And then he laid her body on top of the kids' bodies in the bathtub. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Edward changed his clothes after that, like it was nothing, then headed to a local bar not too far away for the rest of the night, like nothing happened. He drank, he got so drunk that he couldn't drive home, and he actually spent the night sleeping in his car. Jesus. And then he woke up that morning, drove home, got dressed, and went to work. Mm -hmm. And this, y'all have to think of it this way. Um, He's in the military. It's a little bit different than being a civilian and being in the civilian workplace. If you don't report into work, you are considered AWOL. And that is a major thing in the military. And they will come and hunt your butt down, like, immediately. Like, you um don't call into work and they're gonna call your phone and then they're gonna send somebody to your home and then when they don't find you there and then you're just AWOL and then you have the entire United States military hunting your butt down so he knew he had to go in so he couldn't have that he couldn't have them you know coming to his house so because his entire family literally his entire family was dead in their guest bathroom and after that work day, he knew he couldn't keep pretending people, you know, he couldn't keep going to work. He couldn't be like, well, you know, Sylvia's sick, kids are sick, you know, or they went and visit family. He knew he had to make a plan. And he went to his local bank. It didn't say for sure, but it was more than likely Eglin Credit Union next to the mall in town. <laughs> if you guys are from there, you know what I'm talking about, which is crazy. I, I included this. Because that was me and Zach's first bank when we got married. And it's just crazy to think that this dude went to that same bank and did all this. But he went and took out a pretty large loan on his credit card. I'm mind blown that this dude did all this considering he was, they, like I said, they were already in massive debt. Like they had mm-hmm. no money. Bought a house. $600 phone bills, wife spending all your money, took out a large loan, and then with that newfound cash he's got, he drove down to Orlando International Airport of all places the very next day and grabbed the first flight to Hawaii. They weren't really sure why he decided on Hawaii, and he never really gave a specific answer. He just said that Hawaii was known for drifters. Okay. I don't get that, because Hawaii, uh, it, it's expensive. Like, I've I've flown to Hawaii. I have flown overseas. It is expensive. I don't know. I feel like everybody's first thought is Mexico or Canada, yeah. you know? Like, that's what... Not Hawaii. Hawaii. That's a pricey plane ticket. But that was Friday. And so he had the weekend off, obviously. And when Monday rolled around and Edward didn't report for work that morning, immediately, like I said, they don't play around. They call if he didn't answer, so they sent one of his uh, sergeants over to his house to check on him. And he said he wasn't there. Nobody answered the door. So he called the local sheriff department because it's off base. So they can't call, you know, like security forces MP from on base. Um, And when he got there and nobody answered again, they noticed a broken window. um, My notes say the front, but I was actually in the backyard. They walked around um, like maybe Edward had forgotten his keys and obviously can't call his wife. Uh-huh. to open the door so he had to break in um probably didn't think that through 
but when they unfortunately when they got inside the home they found a site nobody should have to see Sylvia and her children dead in the bathtub. I, can you imagine them? I can't. Thinking that, oh, maybe he, like, you know, slept in or his, you know. You're thinking innocently. Yeah. No. No, honestly, what is sad, though, that his coworker immediately never thought that Edward was missing. Like, he had been kidnapped and was also murdered. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like, was like, Edward did this. Wow. Like, that says a lot for his character. Like, maybe stuff was going on in his life or something, but they... they immediately knew he did it. Like, because his, he was like, we need to put, you know, what do you call it, APB or whatever out uh-huh. on him. We need to find him. And he was like, he's from Michigan. We need to look at Michigan in here, because what if he went home? This is true, yeah. So, they knew Edward was the one that killed his family all alone, and they were, like, immediately, like, feverishly searching for him. And he was nowhere to be found in Florida or Michigan, like I said, which is where he was originally from. He was living his best life in Hawaii. (laughs) He was just, you know, mahalo. But he ended up being taken in by a kind of, the best way I could describe it is a church commune. Basically. No. Oh. And it was actually really nice people. Because I was thinking that, too. It was probably a bunch of weirdos. And here they in, just took in this murderer. Like, is it like a, a George Jones? Or what's that dude? Look Jim Jones. Jim Jones. Is it going to be that scenario? But these were actually really nice people. It was actually an elderly couple, husband and wife. He was a Pentecostal pastor of all things. Which is surprising for Hawaii. But, okay. Hey. But, yeah. Um, it was a local pastor, like I said, and they saw that Edward, but he wasn't going by Edward, needed refuge, and they offered him shelter and a job. Basically, like a deal. If you do handyman stuff for us around the church and around our home, we'll let you stay with us. Makes sense. So, yeah. He gave the sweet couple this super lame story. He said his name was Michael Green, and he had been an orphan since a young age. That both of his parents had passed away when he was very, very young, and his elderly grandma took care of him, and then she passed away. So he's just been, like, on the streets and, like, traveling from place to place. But How did he get to Hawaii? Hawaii! Like, yeah, like, this isn't the United States where you can, like hitchhike or like walk down the road or like you ain't swimming in the ocean for two weeks to get there yeah yeah sobbiest of sob stories like picture a lot of tiny violins playing in the background (laughs) but sweet justice like i said in the beginning sweet justice is fixing to happen thanks to good old television i know a lot of people complain about it but four whole months later in mid-October, because remember this happened in June, the family sat down to watch a little TV. Um, some will say this was fate, that it was destined. The, they said, um, the password letter say in an interview that they really didn't watch TV that much. Mm-hmm. And they were really only watching TV because they were having like a little get-together they had friends over and then they were like you know while we eat dessert let's turn a little bit of tv on Uh so they did and an episode of unsolved mysteries started playing 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think probably Edward thought anything of it. He's probably like chilling, watching it with them. Um, during the episode, Robert Stack, I really hope everyone yes. knows who that is. He is the host of Unsolved Mystery. And he has that very distinctive voice that when he starts speaking, you know exactly who it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's um, put me to sleep so many times. Mm-hmm. He told the story of a man from Eglin Air Force Base, the family annihilator. That is what you are called if you are the sole survivor and you killed your entire family. Um, another example that Margot, uh, Margot, I'm so sorry if I said your name wrong, for military murder, she compared Edward to a more recent one, Chris Watts, mm-hmm. the man in Colorado that killed his pregnant wife and two daughters. He's a family annihilator, so... Robert Stack was describing, you know, Eglin Air Force Base tech sergeant that was a family annihilator that was on the run. And he, if you have any information, contact us. And a picture of Edward's face popped up on the television. Oh, my gosh. With a number. Call us here if you know anything. Um, can you imagine? I would be freaking out if I was sitting next to a man who was a family annihilator and his picture was on TV. Okay, but you're about to be like mad i mean it works out but you're gonna be mad at the pastor the planets really aligned for this um but because of edward himself i really don't want to say that like i don't want to give him any credit but the pat he assured the pat he's like that's not me because the pastor was like that kind of looks like you no he There's did a not big resemblance and, no he did and not Michael, I'm air quoting here. Michael was like, oh, he just looks like me. That's crazy. I would never do anything like that. I don't have a family. I'm this poor little orphan boy. You know? Tiny violins. Um, That's hilarious. And the pastor wasn't didn't even call. He, like, genuinely... Just thought it was He a- had that much trust in this man. This is how... You know. That's how you get killed. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, you know. That's how you die. That's how me and Crystal think. Like, it would be cool to trust in people. I just don't. But, yeah. But at that point, Edward kind of knew it's up. Like, I I need to go home. I need to own up to what I did. And for one, there's an Unsolved Mystery episode out there with his picture plastered all over the place. So, the very next morning, he actually left a note for the pastor and his wife. And he said, the past four months with you is the most love that I've ever felt in my entire life. It was really sad. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, there's, like, a little thing that you can, like, the pastor talks about it. Like, he, like, actually teared up. And he, he felt bad for him. And he said that he hopes one day Edward can, like, forgive himself for what he did to his family and stuff. It was actually really sad. That's sad. But he, Edward wrote them a note and he said that, you know, you, he said, you've actually given me faith in... Is there a God out there? Because I've met you too. Wow. And you've given me more Christian love than I've ever felt in my entire life. And he said, I just want to thank you, but I am a bad person. And then he told the pastor, like, what he had done and that he was going to turn himself in. I'm not trying to make y'all feel for this dude, but, like, he did eventually, you know. This thing just feels like it's a very messed up situation. Like, the it whole is. situation's very messed up. It just feels like a man that, like, blacked out and snapped. 
Mm -hmm. but really wasn't a bad person. Mm -mm. I mean, he is. He did all those. But the very next day, he turned himself into the Maui Police Department. And from there, it was just like a trial. You have to get, like, extradited or whatever Mm -hmm. back to the the states, to the mainland. That's what everybody um, over in Hawaii and Guam will call it. Let me use that lingo. I know it's been a while. Um, But, yeah, he went back to the mainland eventually to Florida. And it's a little bit different since he was in the military. He was tried by, like, basically military court, JAG, all that good stuff. And eventually in the regular court system. And he was charged with first-degree murder for all three and is still in prison to this day. For some odd reason, Edward has tried to do every appeal known to man from the time he turned himself in to the time he got out. So I'm just not even sure why he even turned himself in. Like, you might as well just be on the run at this point. Maybe he's not appealing. Maybe just his lawyers are. Maybe. I didn't think about that. But literally, like, every two years, there's an appeal. And the last one was in 2004. So for 10 years straight, from 94 to 2004 he had an appeal every two years and what happened after 2004 there's been nothing else like there's nothing else reported like he's still in prison is he in prison for life yes and he actually tried to escape like like when they had him in custody (laughs) when he was getting transferred from like hawaii to florida they had him in custody and he tried to escape no he did not yeah obviously he didn't and they were like, no. <laughs> this man, I mean, I feel really bad for him because that is kind of sucky. Your wife sucked, but. Not an excuse to kill somebody. But that's what or I was. Or your kids. They didn't or do your anything. Kids. But that's what I was trying to kind of say. Like, sometimes, like, we do these, like, media things. Like, you're watching the news and they're like, this person was so good, you know. Or free my man, whatever. And he's like, you know, killed five million people or they were terrible yeah. people. Did they deserve to die? No. But there's story to both sides. And that's why yeah. I wanted to provide. It's not a life or a life. Yeah. Like, even a bad life is a life. Yeah. But that's, yep, that's all I got for you guys for this week. This was a wild ride. That was fun. Thank you. I've Odin. never heard of this. I had not. Thanks, Miss B. Yeah, I had not either. I honestly had not heard of this, and I can't believe I hadn't. Um, and she gave me some other good ones. So yeah, thank you, Miss B. Um, I'm sure you'll eventually listen to this episode because you do listen to our podcast. So thank <laughs> you. Um, you can't see me smiling right now, but thank you. We really appreciate you guys. And yeah, that's all we have for this week. We can't wait to hang out with you next week. We really always look forward to every week uploading on Sundays and just kind of getting y'all's feedback. Um, I want to say one more thing. If you have ever listened to our podcast, me and Crystal had a good giggle about it. We really didn't care. But if you ever listen to our podcast or maybe this is your first episode Listen to this one. Don't go to episode one, all right? We were different people. 
we were different people back then. We had different equipment. We were huddled over one microphone in my dining room. Hey, I even had some work people ask about a podcast the other day. And I was like, yeah, here's the name of it. Just don't listen to episode one. Like, skip ahead a few and then you'll find a good one. Yeah, now we have our own studio. We have our own separate really good expensive mics. Do we need to, like, re-record? I don't know. And, like... But if you've ever listened to the podcast and you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, because that's really the only place you can leave a review, unfortunately. I wish Spotify had that option, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, we would not. We would love if you go and left us a review. Because we got a one star. Yeah, we got day. a one star. <laughs> I messaged Crystal. I mean, we really don't care because we uh, know we're not. I got a good giggle out yeah, of it. Yeah, we know we're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. We know we know that our first episode sucked. I mean, we oh, still yes. loved it. We still loved it. It's it could of, probably be re-recorded. It could be re-recorded. But we were literally huddled under a, over a $30 microphone. Yes. In my loud dining room with so much echoing echoes and now look at us we have our own studio and then we were like trying to go back and forth and like do different parts of it yeah we didn't have scripts back then we didn't have anything we were just all over the place so yeah if you listen to us about it the more i want to re-record it It yeah it's rough and it has like a lot of downloads and i'm like people this is probably why they never came back but, yeah, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review, we would love it. But, yeah, we know we're not going to be – we are we are different people back then, all right? This is a whole new podcast. Yep. We are here. But thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, and we can't wait to see you next week. Bye. Bye.